looks like we're going to have a uh, primarily MacBook Pro show today. <laughs> pretty unavoidable. <laughs> yeah. How's your week? Uh, pretty uneventful. How was yours? Yeah, about the same. I had some really early starts for work. I had a 2am and a 4am, but apart from that, it was fine. Oh, man. Is that because you're dealing with time change stuff? Yeah, exactly. So I had to start like early or in the morning, Sydney time, uh, which is really early in the morning, German <laughs> time. Wow. I think I'm still recovering, and but what, I just drank what a liter of iced tea, so I should be right. <laughs> uh, what, what exactly do you do that you can work remotely for the whole summer? Um, it's basically support at the moment, and so it's not terribly exciting, but I helped roll out some software in well, basically across... Australia um, about a year and a half ago. Um, okay. And since that rollout, they need someone to support it. So that's my job now. Gotcha. So you're like tech support for people to call in? Is that the gist of it? Yeah, pretty much. Call or okay. email or however it comes in. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. I don't like it that much, but actually, hopefully no one from my company is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't enjoy the job, but it's a, it's a really convenient job because it's only working four hours a day and of course oh, yeah. i can do it from anywhere so yeah that's nice yeah it's got its upsides yeah you know if you uh if you sign up and do training tech support for apple they send you a like a new imac to work off of a couple of friends of mine have started that one started earlier this year then his wife has just been employed uh, just this month as well actually so now oh, really? they have two big 27 inch imacs in the house nice i feel like i feel like that could be a, a pretty reasonable job i know the few times i've had to call in tech support uh i've ended up knowing more than the people i'm talking to so <laughs> <laughs> i felt the exact same way yeah once I caught up about an iMovie problem on the iPad, and uh-huh. I swear the person just did not get it into their head that I was on an iPad and not a Mac. Like, it uh. took them probably five minutes of me like repeating that I was on an iPad, and then they'd just go back to, like, oh, and from the file menu, no, I'm on an iPad. <laughs> There's no file menu. I think the most recent I time I uh, called, mm. called tech support was I was looking for a physical install CD, for just any operating system for a PowerPC Mac. And the tech support person kept trying to sell me Snow Leopard, which was, <laughs> of course, the first operating system that didn't support PowerPC. Right, yeah. So, genius. Yeah. <laughs> That's maybe why they're not called geniuses, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but seriously, it's a pretty good gig. I, they've got some pretty high standards for an at-home support job like you know right needing high-speed internet of course and um only using the computer for um very specific work tasks and i'm not sure how much i should say really in case i get someone in trouble <laughs> i mean because they're I've, very big on non-disclosure as well i've i'm definitely interested in doing that as just like a i mean an easy work from home position if i ever needed some extra money so i might have to look into it some more at some point what happened to um what was it? Freeman Software? <laughs> uh, nothing's happened with that yet. Um, I was working on a, a very specific project, and I needed to, to purchase a web domain for it. And while I was shopping domain names, I'm like, I'll just see if there's anything that I can get to give myself a more professional email. Uh, so I actually bought the freeman.software domain name just so I could have david at freeman.software as my email address. Nice. Um, yeah, but eventually I'll actually put something on that website as well. And, uh, 
it's basically just going to be an online resume for me or something. I think I don't think I'm going to do anything else with it. But I, I so did. you're not planning to start up? Uh, so I I do a little bit of independent software consulting um, for like some small businesses and nonprofits in the in the area. Um, I've made a lot of websites and a few mobile apps for people. And so maybe I'll, I'll use this platform as a way to, to advertise that and pick up more business, but that's not primarily what I'm going to be doing with it. I mean, that'd be the dream, right? Just to work for yourself and be able to live that way. Yeah, it, it would be. I actually spent, um, before this year, the, the, the five years previous to this year, I was, um, an independent consultant just as like a, a small business IT guy. So I, I have a pretty good understanding of what the self-employed life is like. Um, but then when a a baby came along, suddenly you're looking for a little bit more security of what employment and a salary and uh, superannuation and all those things that come along with employment. Yeah, I was, uh, I was in the same boat a few years ago. Uh, when my daughter was born, I was, uh, I primarily was also doing independent uh, software stuff. Like my main income was just making websites for people and just playing around, having fun. And then my daughter was coming, and I actually I took a full time job working uh, managing the online medical records for a hospital for a few years, and and now I've graduated into into more software focused roles at uh, some other companies. But yeah, I definitely. I definitely get what you mean about everything kind of changes when you got a little one on the way. Yeah, life-changing, as everyone yeah. says it is. <laughs> <laughs> to push on to other life-changing news, there's a new MacBook Pro out, the 2018 MacBook Pro. <laughs> Just from all the uh, the uh, negative feedback I've heard in the last week or so, I'm not thinking I'm going to upgrade just yet. Yeah, okay. I was <laughs> thinking, actually... W- let- Let's talk about it in the order that it came out, since okay. we haven't had a show since it was announced. So let's talk about, firstly, all the updates to it, and then let's talk about the controversy to it, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, the updates. So, nine days ago or so, Apple announced the the latest update to the MacBook Pro, only to the Touch Bar Pros, though, not to the non-Touch Bar. I was wondering, did you have the Touch Bar or the non? Yeah, I've got a Touch Bar. I've got a 15-inch model, so... Oh, right. Yeah, and they only come in Touch Bar. Right. Right, okay. And so among the things that have been updated is something we've talked about a whole ton, <laughs> which is the keyboards. So the keyboards now feature some sort of, like a, a, I think you'd call it a gasket or maybe not a gasket, but a covering over the mechanisms, a silicon covering to prevent mm-hmm. dirt and such things from getting under the little butterfly mechanism. And interestingly, that's not what Apple said it was for. They said it was to dampen or quieten the keys and as someone who's typed next to a sleeping baby before i can say the keys are a little too loud (laughs) for my liking just a little bit um they do feel really good though yeah they Um, do but they're a bit noisy so i do look forward to maybe updating to this computer sometime in the future um but then some other info came out i can't remember where this came from that some internal documents from apple at least um purported that it was actually to stop dirt and such things from getting under the keyboard and making them a little bit more reliable. Right. Which apparently they've succeeded. I saw iFixit did a, a pretty intense dust test on the latest model and it's it's uh, much more reliable than the years prior. Just before the show, I saw a picture on Twitter. Someone had poured a packet of twisties onto their keyboard as well as like a stress test. 
I don't even know what a twisty is. Yeah. <laughs> is that a type of candy or what? Ah, uh, yeah. If it's um it's bright orange. It tastes usually like cheese, but there are a few flavors. And if you imagine like um like a how do you describe hmm. it? Like yeah, a I fat crunchy worm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like a uh Cheeto. Yeah, it's like a Cheeto, but not a ball. Well Cheetos aren't primarily balls here in the US. Oh no, they're rings, aren't they? They're not rings either. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to explain Cheetos to me. <laughs> yeah, they they look just like twisties. Oh, okay. Well they're Cheetos. Well <laughs> <laughs> wow, I could so, have sworn Cheetos were the balls made out of that same food, whatever that is. I think there might be I actually I don't know if Cheetos has a ball option here. In the U.S., yeah, we we can get them in kind of the big puffy form or more of the smaller twisty-looking crunchy. There's cheezels, which I've never heard of either, but those are like rings. <laughs> if you googled um, images Cheetos Australia, then the first result is balls, and they're still really? branded Cheetos. So I guess it's just maybe Cheetos looked at the Australian market and thought. Uh, Twisties already dominates the worms, so let's just bring in the balls, because no one's doing the balls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't have anything like that. Interesting. There's the title for the show, by the way. No one's doing the balls. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, yeah, if you Google, I mean, Cheetos America, you're going to see basically pictures of Twisties, so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So back on anyway. So someone poured a packet of them over their keyboard as a stress test, and it and, survived. Um, well, it was only they'd only just done it, so who knows what it's going to be like in four weeks. But I think it's pretty pretty positive, especially based on that iFixer report. Yeah, yeah. I think between the newer keyboard and the True Tone display, those are the two things that I'm most excited about in the newest model. Absolutely, yeah, True Tone. True Tone, I find, it's not something you, you notice, which is kind of the hallmark of something that's pretty well engineered. It's mm-hmm. not something you notice until you go back to something that doesn't have True Tone. Right. And then everything just looks gross. Yeah, the, like the few times a year that I either accidentally or deliberately for some temporary reason switch off True Tone on my phone, I just like, how did I ever use it like this compared to... <laughs> exactly. It's so uh, so much nicer on the eyes. One of the other updates, and this is only to the 15-inch model, uh, is it now has DDR4 RAM instead of LPDDR3, which also means that it can support 32 gig on the 15-inch models, which is pretty nice. I mean, as someone with only an 8 gig in their MacBook, um, I don't know. I don't push that much, but there are certainly <laughs> pros that, <laughs> that are running multiple virtual machines and then encoding something in Final Cut and then, I don't know, playing Stardew Galaxy as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know RAM's a big deal for me because deploying any software to test environments means spinning up at least one or two virtual machines at a time, and you can eat up RAM really quickly, especially if you have... Well, I don't actually use Chrome on my MacBook Pro, but I was going to say, if you had a few Chrome tabs open as well, that's all your RAM. <laughs> but uh, I just want to quickly correct uh, Stardew Valley, not Stardew Galaxy. And yeah, I'm also a Safari user, and I'm enjoying the light RAM footprint. Yeah, um, Safari's performance on the Mac still can't really be beat. It is actually so good that I've uh, I've decided to give Edge on Windows a try. Like, I just assume that, you know, I'm giving Microsoft the benefit of the doubt here and thinking that, according to their advertisements, Edge is also the fastest performing browser on Windows, so, and it has the I same... I was going to say that. One yeah. of the splash screens on Edge is that it's faster than Chrome and Firefox. Yeah, so... 
I uh, I actually picked up a uh, a cheaper Windows laptop here a week or two ago. It's like a 13-inch, one of those Lenovo yoga books that can turn into a tablet. Because I wanted something small I could throw in my bag if I had to do any remote work and I didn't want to haul around my bigger 15-inch MacBook Pro, which I'd have to use a, a, a virtual machine or like boot camp or something because I have to work out of Windows anyway. So I've been carrying that smaller Windows laptop around and using Edge primarily because it only has 8 gigs of RAM and I don't want to waste any RAM on Chrome. <laughs> yeah, probably a good move. Yeah. How's the SSD speeds on the Yoga though? Uh, I mean, it's I haven't actually like performed a test on it to compare it to like the MacBook, but uh, it seems reasonable. Is it? <laughs> is it anywhere approaching 3 gigabytes per second? No, definitely not. <laughs> What do you think of that speed test? Because I think there's still a bit of question as to if that was legit or if it's just an like an uh, APFS optimization. You know how it just kind of shadow copies files when you copy and paste? Or do you prefer oh, files? Oh, I didn't think about that. Um, I mean, I hadn't had any reason to question those numbers until just now. But, uh, I mean, Apple's had the fastest SSD speeds consistently for the last few years. So it wouldn't surprise me if they've been able to get some more speed out of them. I... And even if it is the APFS, I mean, as long as to the end user, it's effectively, you know, three gigabits per second, then it doesn't really matter how they achieve it. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I think the only problem would be if Apple claimed that was the speed and then it was only because of APFS that um, that speed registered, that would be the problem. But yeah, right. there's nothing on their pages that say it's X fast. Because of course, the speed matters, I think, mostly for, say, some task like outputting a video file. Um, right. And it's not going to have any APFS optimizations. Right. Yeah, Apple's not, not really big on uh, advertising using uh, tech numbers like that. So we're lucky if, if they tell us uh, what model CPU they put in their computers. <laughs> That's right. You don't really get anything when you go to the About This Mac menu on your Mac. It's just yeah. like, oh, you've got a Core i5 at uh, X gigahertz. That's yeah. it. No, it, it could be a... F- a uh, fifth generation or an eighth generation who knows or anything in between so that and you finally get uh hey siri on the mac which uh i don't think i need any more devices listening for hey siri they're everywhere (laughs) at this point so i don't feel like i'm too left out not having that on my computer (laughs) yeah i feel that with the latest um hey siri that was the the removal of hey siri Mm -hmm. from the watch God, hang on, let me just turn my phone off. Did you know if your phone is face down, it doesn't listen for Hey Siri? I did not. Oh, there you go. That's a quick way to mute it. That's awesome. Um, I was going to say, with the removal of Hey Siri from the watch, I've kind of gone back into like an area of sanity when I'm just walking <laughs> around. Because um, previously it was like a phone could hear it or a HomePod could hear it or your watch could hear it. Right. Um but now, now the watch one isn't that good yet, but it's only early days with the beta. Um, but yeah, I feel like I can finally hey Siri and have a reasonable understanding of what device is going to pick up the request. My experience has been, it's pretty, been pretty consistent at choosing whatever the nearest device is to me. Uh, but that can take, you know, a second for it to decide which device is going to respond to me. Um, how, how is the the watch working for you now that you've got that update uh pretty terribly yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's really bad are you having as many issues with the accidental triggers that i was having surprisingly not but i think it's because most of the time it doesn't work without the trigger 
with our oh, new really? Siri. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I often just try it to see if it's been improved, especially since the new beta came right. out during the week. But I think from what I try, maybe one in five times, it'll actually start listening to me. So because of that, I also think my um, false detections are also artificially low because it's not registering when it might have. That's interesting. I'm having the exact opposite problem still. Like it definitely hears me 100% of the time, but it also, you know, triggers a lot of the time that I'm not trying to talk to it. So maybe it's a language localization thing. Maybe, maybe the microphone in your Apple watch is bad. Maybe it is pretty terrible at hearing what I say. Yeah. What what uh, model do you have? Uh, series 3 LTE. Okay. So so it, it shouldn't be, like, terribly old and, and damaged by this point. No, not at all. I mean, what, did it come out in September? Yeah. Yeah, just coming up on a year. I do take it in water quite a lot. Do you, uh, do you like, shower with it? Yes, quite a bit. Because so, I've, I've seen in the past that, you know, water is generally okay on the watch because it's it's water resistant, but like the chemicals and soap can break down the membranes around the microphone and speaker. Hmm, okay. So, I don't know, potentially that. But as a point against that, it's it's probably 100% accurate at, at hearing hey Siri. It's just usually the rest of the command that's not that good at picking up. Huh. Well, that's interesting. How is it uh do you use it for phone calls at all? Uh every now and then, yeah. not a lot. I, I tend to avoid that if I can. It's pretty awkward. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I feel when my wrist is down by my side that the caller can't hear me, but it's really uncomfortable to have the watch up near my mouth all the time. You know, right. Sometimes if it's like a long call, I might kind of cross my arm over my body as a way of being comfortable <laughs> while still using it. Um, but that's typically only when I'm out and about and I don't actually have my phone near me or AirPods near me. Right. Yeah, usually I only answer on the watch if I'm, like, on my way to grab my phone, and it's going to take me more than the duration of the ring to get to it, so. <laughs> you should use the Siri on hold. Have you tried that? No, what is that? When you're getting a call and, like, the hang up and answer buttons are showing on your watch, if you scroll the crown up, there's actually a place call on hold button underneath them, and Siri will talk to the person and tell them that they're on hold in the Siri voice until you get to your phone. Really? I've never seen that. Yep. <laughs> Try it next time. I will. You get a call. That's awesome. I know there was rumors uh, a year or two ago about Apple was working on implementing Siri into voicemail so that she could potentially handle calls for you. Uh, I wonder if, if that's a step in that direction or if that's even what started the rumors. We should talk about that on our uh, fourth topic, which is the okay. uh, and the eSIM. <laughs> yeah. But do you want to just talk about or the controversy or throttle gate as it's now been called about the MacBook Pro so, which started as <laughs> which started as a simple YouTube video of someone who bought the i9 15 inch 2018 MacBook Pro mm-hmm. so that's the top of the line one most of them come with an i7 but one comes with an i9 and the claim was that it's so thermally limited that it actually ends up under underclocking itself to that to the point that it's slower than the i7 model. So th- that was the original YouTube video came came out, and basically it's an ongoing controversy or outrage. And what is an Apple, um, what is a MacBook update without some sort of outrage or any sort of That's update right. from Apple? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but from the latest reports I've seen, we can pretty confidently say that the i9 still outperforms the i7 in a lot of tests, uh, a lot of real-world tests. I'm not so sure about benchmarks, um, but there was a very interesting video 
from um, Jonathan Morrison. He he runs a pretty good YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, he said he spent two days basically exporting videos, which uh, you wouldn't even say was a niche for the MacBook Pro. I think a lot of people who would be buying the top-end MacBook Pro are going to be doing some sort of um, like video or co- uh, Xcode or whatever. Right. Um, but in all his tests across... across I think he used four different programs, um, video editing programs. The i9 beat the i7 by around 20% for every test. So that's that's a, a pretty confident um, slapdown of all these posts yeah. that the i9 clocks in slower than the i7. Yeah, I think the, the first video was posted by Dave2D. And uh, I mean, there's def... I mean, this isn't new news. All Apple laptops have had a pretty terrible thermals for... A long time um because they're they favor you know quiet and thin over cool um but after that video um a lot of tech blogs picked it up as fact immediately that the i9 was just a worse performer than the i7 and i even saw reports to the extent that just all 2018 macbooks ran worse than 2017 counterparts um and that the issue wasn't just limited to i9 um which which i took as just sensationalist journalism until there were some more youtube videos that came up after that of people running stress tests on their their newer macbooks and yeah they all thermal throttled themselves but that's not really a real world use case you're never gonna be running your cpu at 100 percent where it would overheat to that point um the places where the i9 especially is going to shine is in those you know few moments where it's going to need that extra boost of performance and it has the extra gigahertz to provide, whereas the i7 does not. And in those cases, you know, it's going to be quick enough that your CPU is not going to overheat. There were even some reports that said that the CPU clocked itself to 800 megahertz at some points. Until really? someone else pointed out that, oh, that's just what it idles at. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think... I'm not going to say there isn't a problem. I've I've always been less than happy with how Apple handles thermals on their laptops and and even their their iMacs tend to run pretty warm. Um, but it's not a new problem and it's not as severe of a problem as it's been made out to be. That's right. They've been doing it for years and people saying they should make these huge thick laptops. Um, you know, Apple has made the trade-off between performance and weight and size of the laptop and this is the balance they've come up with so i think they're well aware of what their cpus are doing um i think a bigger problem might be when these laptops are three or five years old and the fans are filled up with dust and the thermal paste is degraded a little bit and yeah if, if they are running so hot all the time at even the smallest task um what's the perfor- what's the uh, experience going to be like then and the failure rates as well yeah when this when this first started it reminded me of what was it the iphone 6s where they had half the the uh chips made by samsung and half made by tsmc I think it was a 6S. And and the TSMC chipset uh, under stress tests got like two extra hours of battery life. And people were downloading special apps on their phone to see which chip they had and, and going as far as trying to return their phone to the Apple store if they had the Samsung chip in their phone. And Apple said that, you know, look, these tests don't reflect, you know, real world usage. And then after that... Um, I forget who actually decided to do some like real world performance tests on these phones, but it came out that yeah, battery life's identical on both of the chips, and it doesn't matter. So, but when you when you start putting stress tests on things, you get results that you'll never see in the real world. So, it's it seems silly to have such 
a high level of outrage over you know one test so and you know what's not uh, a hot topic anymore it's the lack of ports because it's still for Thunderbolt <laughs> ports but no one cares anymore or at least no one's talking about it actually i did see an article just last night when i was going to bed it it was it was headlined that the 2018 macbook pros their thunderbolt ports had been gimped and and i was like what what can this mean what did apple do to the thunderbolt ports to 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 ruin the performance on these now on top of everything else and ended up being after reading the article apple put a faster thunderbolt controller chip made by intel that just came out this year in their macbook pro that can theoretically support um like multiple 5k displays at 120 hertz or multiple 8k displays at 60 hertz but the graphics card in the macbook pros uh is a limiting factor at this point and can still only support what they've advertised it supporting and what their computers have supported for the last few years so they haven't they haven't gimped anything they've added better chips and just not taken full advantage of them yet <laughs> okay so but that was that was the well, the headline i saw was that they had gimped the the thunderbolt ports you gotta you gotta find a problem to write an article don't you yeah no one reads positive news <laughs> especially if it's about apple that's right um on that same topic of or similar topic of um you know updating things like the thunderbolt controller from last year i think one huge positive to take away is that this is is this the third year in a row that we've had these incremental macbook updates it it kind of feels like the uh the, the mac hardware ecosystem is almost getting as much love as the iphone hardware ecosystem which kind of languished in the middle of this decade the start of the decade is pretty regular you know 2010 11 and 12 macbook pros Right. Um, I can't remember exactly the, the specifics, but I think it was before the 2016, there was quite a gap, wasn't there, of no MacBook Pro refreshes. Um, it was significantly underwhelming these, these ones. Are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But now that we're getting, you know, generation steps, you know, without big hardware redesigns, which I'm happy with, I, you know, you don't need a new shell, a new case every year or two. Um, but these little updates, yeah, it, it shows a different Apple from five years ago in my mind. Yeah, when you look at that and you look at the iMac Pro, which is a part for part, a really competitively priced computer. Uh, and the fact that they're supposedly working on a modular Mac Pro for next year, uh, I think that at least to an extent, Apple's renewed their focus on on uh, the desktop platform as well. Um, pushing on to the next topic, it was going to be about the redesigned keyboard but we've kind of already talked about that so um are you ready to leave the macbooks behind and talk about (laughs) the next iphone yeah let's go ahead yeah okay um so there's a report that's come out um from barons which i've never heard of before um titled apple's next iphone could spell big trouble for at&t and others Mm -hmm. and basically the reasoning for this article is that um a company that supplies well, that creates eSIMs, which is like a not not a non-physical because it's a physical chip, but it's a SIM that's kind of a chip that's soldered onto a board rather than something that's physically insertable and into a into a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some supply chain thing about this company receiving tons of orders, and so the the word on the street is that the next iPhone, the the XL or the XI, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about the name. Um, is going to contain an eSIM. Now, th- there's been something similar in iPads before, which they called the Apple SIM. So right. I wouldn't be surprised if it got that moniker as well. Um, 
but the Apple Watch, I believe, has what's called an eSIM in it. Right. Uh, and that's how you get LTE on your watch without having to put a SIM card in there. Um, so the article says that it could be big trouble for the telcos because basically users are going to be able to switch carrier as more or less a, a software setting, you know, rather than having to go to your local telco and pick up a SIM card and have it allocated to your number and all the, the rigmarole that it was before is now, you know, something you do sitting on the toilet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this isn't a new technology. The eSIM has been, you know, talked about for years and Apple has implemented it in a few of their devices. I don't think the fact that you have to go into your character or into your carrier has been what's limited people from switching back and forth on a whim. So I don't think necessarily the eSIM is going to is going to change anything as far as how often people switch carriers for the most part. Um so I think that's that's probably a little a little sensationalist as well. Um but I'm just excited for the fact that an eSIM means you know, no more SIM tray, so one less uh, potential area for water or dust to get in the phone. Potentially a thinner phone at that point as well. So, I think I think it makes sense technologically to be moving towards an eSIM, and I think that carriers aren't really going to have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. What I was wondering was, does the eSIM replace the SIM, or are they go- both going to be there? Because on the iPad Pro, I know the thing has a lot of space, and it has both in there, and that, that can be pretty convenient. But right. I mean, the SIM, even at the nano size that it is now, still takes up a huge amount of space. I mean, I bet Johnny Ive and his team hate the the SIM card. Oh, Oh, yeah. I shouldn't say SIM card. (laughs) I I think card is superfluous. The SIM. (laughs) Well, I think, uh, you know, a SIM is, uh, even a nano SIM, probably takes up more space inside the phone with the mechanism for the tray and everything than the headphone jack did. So they could do quite a bit with that space if they were... To be able to remove it. It most definitely takes up, or took up, takes up more space than the headphone jack did. Yeah, so maybe we'll get a bigger battery. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) I mean, I'm reasonably happy with the battery life on the 10, but it definitely isn't what the 7 Plus's battery life was last year. That's what I went from too, yeah, 7 Plus to 10. It's, I'd call it a one-day battery, but you're definitely not pushing two days. Especially, not even one day if you use it heavily. Yeah, I'm a... I mean, yeah, I get through. I get through one day pretty easily, but I'm not one to play games on my phone or anything. And you know, when I'm at work, I'm streaming music from my computer or something. So I very rarely use my phone. Do you think the eSIM may also um, lead the way to some sort of Apple-provided telco? So, say you go to Apple and you sign the contract for your month-to-month payments for your phone, and at the same time, you could sign up to Apple as a, a uh, what do they call them? MVNO, uh, right. something virtual network, mobile virtual network operator. Right. Um, uh, what, yeah. What you, you know, mean Apple there? would then own the experience, which they love to do. Hopefully, it would be a. I mean, I, I assume Apple wouldn't do that unless they can get a really good experience. But my experience with MVMOs in general is that because you're leasing space on other people's towers, you know, you're always the lowest priority on their tower and you generally have like poor quality service, either in speed or coverage or usually both of them. Um, so I would hope that Apple would maybe potentially work out a deal with carriers where they, where they pay some more so they're higher priority on the on the towers themselves um but i don't know how willing carriers would be to go with that because i'm sure they're aware that as soon as they allow apple to lease space on their towers they're losing tons of customers although they are gaining apple as a customer and you know the telco could become the wholesaler well they, they are the wholesaler at that point so yeah well yeah i mean that's that's beyond me but apple would have to pay a significant amount to offset the amount of 
the amount of uh, customers they're losing. Although if they partner with just one company, that company could also see it as taking customers from other companies. But I would I would hope that Apple would lease space on all carriers' towers so that no matter where you are, you have decent coverage and you're not you know stuck to one carrier. That's the ideal situation. Yeah, yeah. It could it could be something like looking up for speci- at for specific countries. Um, but certainly not something I could see happening in Australia or the US, from what I see. Yeah, at least not anytime soon. But if they went the way of, I mean, what Google did here in the US is like, well, we're not happy with internet speed, so we're just going to provide our own internet service and lay fiber cables everywhere. Uh, if Apple could get the same initiative and just decide they're going to put their own towers in, I'd be up for that. <laughs> it's like... Um Google's philosophy is a huge problem. Well, let's just pour money and people into it until the problem goes away. <laughs> and <laughs> not usually Apple's tact, but then they are driving vans around the entire world, apparently, or at least the entire um, United States. Yeah. 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 Google's poor money and uh, machine learning at things. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, unfortunately, it looks like Google's had to step back on that. Um, I'm yeah, from, that's right. I'm from Kansas City originally, which was the first city they started Google Fiber in. Um, but a lot of people in the Kansas City suburbs have been, who, who had signed up for Google Fiber have been getting letters in the last year or so saying that Google's slowing down their rollout and now they're not anticipating spreading to that area in the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think if you go to their website, it says they're not taking on any new orders or something to that effect. I mean, they had an incredible model. It was like you could pay $200 up front and have free 100 100 megabit internet like for life or you could pay like $30 a month and get the the gigabit internet so I don't know how on earth they were able to afford deals like that compared to the other providers around here yeah your use of the word incredible is literal it's literal it's, it's not incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but, um do you want to push on to the last article which is that According to DigiTimes via Cult of Mac, that Apple has a surprising amount of unsold iPhone 10 inventory, which is a uh, an interesting article. And I thought, um, let's go back and have a look at some of the the recent DigiTimes reports and see what sort of record they've got. So I've, I've picked three from the last six months, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so May or June this year gone, we expected an iPhone SE 2 with wireless charging. Mm. Do you remember that? I don't, I don't uh, think yeah. it came out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two is that there's going to be a new entry-level Mac with a Retina display launching at WWDC. This one just passed. Uh, I don't think we saw that either. Uh, and that thirdly, the most disappointing one, is that AirPower was supposed to launch in March this year as well. <laughs> so that's Digitime's track record this year. Well, that was- <laughs> at least some of their most recent reports that have actually had enough time to either be proven true or false. So, and the way I read the article as well, the uh the headline makes it sound like they have, you know, tons of iPhone 10s sitting around, whereas they really have you know, the components for iPhone 10s sitting around, which they're at, an Apple is undoubtedly going to use some of these components in these upcoming iPhones. So, even less of an issue than the article makes it out to be. Another interesting point by the Redditor Exploding M1 uh, is that the Apple's earnings call will be taking place at the end of the month. Seems about right, for, about right for these reports to come out now. So basically, what he's saying is that a whole host of reports damning Apple and setting expectations very low come out, and then what we're going to see at the end of the month is an earnings call where they've done just as well as expected, or maybe better. Um, 
So maybe there's a trader somewhere who's is um, making a bit of money off it. Yeah, that, that seems to be how it goes. It's always doom and gloom until the last, latest re- uh, earnings call, and then their stock generally goes up after that. So it's uh, it's approaching slowly, iPhone, next time. Do you have any um, guesses at what the name will be? So I'm leaning towards just iPhone. Ooh, the new iPhone, perhaps? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I mean, I think we've hit the point now where we're at 10 generations of iPhone um, and even more models um, they can't do this forever unless they anticipate having the iPhone 20, you know, in a few more years of the iPhone 30, you know, 10 more years after that, which we don't have that for Macs or anything. We used to have the MacBook Pro and we get a new one every year and iPad is more or less gone that way at this point. We just get an iPad every, well, it's really weird at this point. We had an iPad Air and now we're just getting to the sixth gen iPad, but we've also had iPad Pros in there. Uh, but generally we just get iPad and I think iPhone is going to be going the same route. I, I think I'll disagree with you because basically because a lot of people have or like to basically have their iPhone as, I guess, a status symbol or something like that. So, you know, when someone asks them, what iPhone do you have? It doesn't really sound as good to say iPhone from this year or iPhone from 2017 or whatever, instead of, oh, I've got the iPhone 15. <laughs> Yeah. Admittedly, sounds dumb now. I've just said it out loud. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I don't see it dropping the model number. And my guess is that we're going to see an iPhone 11, which is probably the the most obvious. Well, is obvious the right word? The most intuitive yeah, the most, next one. Yeah. Yeah. Like the one that's has least thought put into it. Like just the next step that it could be. Like the the dumbest answer, I guess. So the dumbest answer and most likely answer. So with these rumored phones, where they have two OLED models coming out this year, and also an LCD model, which one do you anticipate being the 11? Yeah, see, I'm I'm also doubtful that there'll be an LCD that will have an 11 or an, an edge-to-edge display. So what I would expect is, that, yeah, an LCD to come out, which would be an 8S, okay. and it, basically it's not going to have an edge-to-edge display. I was also thinking, how do you have an LCD that is edge-to-edge, like all the mock-ups purport it to be? Um, and then the other two phones, the two OLED phones, will be iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Plus. All right. Um, there actually was, I'm going to see if I can find it here real quick while we're in our call, just recently, the front glass, or what is supposedly the front glass for the uh, edge-to-edge LCD and OLED phones uh, was leaked, and it was by a pretty reputable source. It was the same person that leaked the iPhone 10 front glass last year. Hmm, okay. Um, now, the reason I'm not sure about the edge-to-edge LCD is because I was pretty confident that LCD has to have a display controller more or less in line with... The LCD and the reason that um, the OLED is edge to edge is because it can basically wrap back around itself. Right, and that is basically how it works now. Um, but what I saw from these leaks, the uh, front glass for the, at least from what's rumored, the front glass for the OLED phones have even smaller bezels. I'd probably say about half as thick as the iPhone 10 does. And then the LCD phone, which is I think slightly bigger than what the iPhone 10 is rumored to be has maybe the same or slightly bigger bezels, which I'm not sure how that gives them enough space to work with, but that's what it looks like right now from what I've seen. So did the leak come from everything Apple Pro, or is he just reporting no, he, on it? No, he's just reporting else? on it. Um, okay. I don't, I don't have the source off the top of my head, but uh, 
it was the same source that leaked the front glass for the iPhone 10 last year. Hmm, okay. So yeah, that's it's really interesting to see if they've got some sort of edge to edge LCD because um, I think the that LCD is still a, a better quality display, isn't it, than OLED really? Except when it comes to to blacks. Uh, I mean, contrast generally better on OLED. Um, supposedly, you get a little bit better battery life because they can turn off parts of the screen entirely. Um, but but LCD is much better at color reproduction. Right, much better color reproduction, and also way less of a burn-in issue. Ah, that's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested to see what Apple does. I think they're probably going to go all in on OLED at this point and keep LCD around as the budget option. Um, but there's definitely still arguments to be made for LCD. I know I was making them up until Apple put them in iPhone 10, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was a really big Windows Phone fan when it came out, Windows Phone 7 and. 10 and uh wait give give me the full name for it please <laughs> windows phone Do you remember 7. it was there a full name for it you're missing one word i think i think it was called the windows phone 7 series oh or uh, windows yeah i think that was the full name <laughs> well i i never never picked up on that but uh i really like windows phone i think it was a really nice platform and intuitive and it looked good and it did a lot with mediocre hardware. You didn't need anywhere near flagship specs for it to perform well. But also, a lot of Windows phones came with OLED. And that was uh, probably 2009, 2010. I was using Windows Phone 7. And so I was really early on the on the OLED train and really enjoyed it at that point and, and had been waiting for it to come to iPhone yeah, ever since. Yeah, I really love watching movies on the... OLED screen. It looks really good. Sometimes I even prefer it to watching it on a, the the MacBook or a TV. So if you're watching the a movie, just great. If you're watching a movie or any video on your phone, do you do you go full screen or do you do you uh, have it still the square aspect ratio? <laughs> um, or a lot of the time I'm watching movies with a cinematic aspect ratio. So it kind of fits well with the zoomed in look because it's already, um, what is it, 2.4 to 1 ratio. So when you zoom it in, you actually only lose a little bit. Right. Um, actually, I think you might even lose a little bit off the sides in that case because that's actually, well, wider than the iPhone's aspect ratio. But then when it comes to YouTube where everything's basically 16 by 9, um, it depends on the content because I'm, I'm pretty happy to zoom in every, at every opportunity, but I'm not happy to cut off someone's forehead as well. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly how I handle my phone. Like, I really want to take advantage of the full screen. And so most videos I start, I immediately zoom in. And if I'm noticeably losing content, I'll zoom back out and use the the standard aspect ratio. (laughs) My wife, yeah, is when she's paranoid about losing any sort of data. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't matter what the content is. She's not zooming in when she's using my phone. Or if she's sharing it while I'm watching something, she'll zoom out. (laughs) (laughs) What am I missing there? It's nothing. It's just, you know, the top of a tree. I have to see it. This is the way the filmmaker intended it. Yeah, what if what if they put an Easter egg up there and we've just missed it? That's right, yeah. So, but... Yeah, I've actually... I don't... I'm, maybe it's just from years of conditioning, but if I'm watching a video in the... in just the standard 16 by 9 and I get basically what looks like the old bezels back, I have more than once tried to press the home button to exit a video when I'm in that aspect ratio. <laughs> Makes you think you're on another phone, huh? It does. I mean, it looks just like, like, I don't know, what, an iPhone 8 or iPhone 7 or whatever, when it's got those big borders on the side. And I guess just old habits, I immediately go for the home button when I see those bezels. <laughs> Is it the same for non-optimized apps as well, then? Uh, 
No, not really. <laughs> I don't have any non-optimized apps that I can think of, though. So maybe, maybe it would actually. Yeah, I don't think I do either. <laughs> so you'll have to download load some old games and see. How it works. <laughs> Except none of them run now because only sixty-four bit apps are allowed. <laughs> yeah, true. So um, I had just one follow-up question as well. Okay. Um, are you thinking that you'll upgrade? in september or are you happy with the 10 i know it's hard to say because we don't know anything but um i always like asking myself the question to other people before the next phone comes out are you happy or are you waiting for something new i'm i'm really happy with the 10 but that's not a hard question for me because i buy the new phone every year so um <laughs> so it's inevitable yeah like they could they could announce an like an arguably worst phone and i'd still buy it just because i have to have the newest thing <laughs> So what about you? Uh, I'm thinking for the first time in a long time that the next phone is going to have to be something really special for me to buy it because like you, I'm very happy with the 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but I um, I mean, when the 10 came out, I had to have it on day one. But for previous phones, sometimes I've waited a month, sometimes three months or tried to pick it up secondhand. Um, so... Uh, um, yeah, I'm definitely one of those people that, that uh, I either camp out in front of the store waiting for it on launch day, or I'll be up at what ends up being 2 or 3 a.m. my time to order it as soon as it becomes available online. And that's been <laughs> consistently for the last few years for me. I haven't camped out since the 4S. The last phone I camped for was the 6. That was a really exciting one for me. <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay, well, we'll see what September brings. It's always a good month. Yeah, we're... Definitely this year we're going to get Apple Watch, iPhone, iPad. Um, I mean, there's still rumors of newer Macs. Oh, yeah, AirPower. Most anticipated release of 2018. <laughs> well, and 2017. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that's um, all the topics then. All right. I am James VDM on Reddit and Twitter. And I'm Jelly Woot on Reddit and Twitter. And we also have a Patreon page and love any support. Patreon.com slash the R Apple Show. All right. Well, I guess I will uh, see you next week. Yeah. Everything went well for show 13.